check my mic. How y'all feel about the intro music? You like it? I think we need it. Look, 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 what we have now is is solid. You know, you got um so many like creative content laws and stuff to where you can't just grab stuff and place it on your thing without paying people. Which is, you know, due diligence, you got to do it. Creatives deserve their money for things. But I think I'm going to have to make a call. You know, everybody got somebody they can call. I think I'm going to have to hit my guy Lee in Vision Worldwide. I think I'm going to have to hit him and tell him, you know, I need some I need some of that bounce. I need some of that boom bap. I need that energy. I need you to go ahead and get back in your bag and, and send me something like on some DJ Premier <laughs> guru stuff. I, I think I need that, man. What y'all think? You think so? Of course. We we need somebody to get our listeners in the mood yeah. and, and ready to go, you know yeah. what I'm saying, for each episode. And uh and it's nothing wrong with putting someone new on. It's yeah. easy to find somebody that's already established. Yeah. We need to put somebody on that hasn't gotten their just due. Yeah, and that's my guy, too. That's that's personal love. That's my guy. So I'm putting the pressure on you right now. Envision Worldwide, Lee Bueller. I'm hitting you this week, and we need some theme music, baby. Like We need that. We need that Jefferson's. We need that, that distinctive action up top. So, you know, we're going to make that happen. But here we are, Bridging the Gap. Episode six, man, it, these episodes go by fast too, and it's fun. I'm actually looking forward to these at the end of every week because we got so much acting going on. How you feeling, Coach? I'm great, man. You know, it's a uh, it's a special time of the year for us. You know, even yeah. though it's Thanksgiving, we're away from home, and uh, but I'm, I got you here. We got Ethan here. Yeah. We got our own family across the pond that we we're making it work together. And right, right. That's true. Happy holidays to everyone back home, too. By the time this come out, you guys will probably be throwing away your leftovers from Thanksgiving <laughs> and, and getting ready for the Christmas Carol and the Mariah Carey <laughs> the holiday songs. But first and foremost, make sure you guys like, subscribe, follow us. You can find Bridging the Gap podcast on Instagram. We have a YouTube channel you can get to on our Instagram. You have a, a link tree that gets you everything you need when you want to access us. If you're in the UAE, come work out with us. Who Mountain Dubai? Follow us on Who Mountain at Who Mountain DXB on Instagram. Who Mountain AE website. We have a winter camp coming up. It's going to be fun, something different, good energy. Come, come kick it with the cool guys. Um, but holiday season, King, man, you know me. I'm a, I'm young, right? I still I think some people forget. Like my first trip out of the country is here in Dubai. And now I'm going on like, was like 16 months straight being here is basically like home, second home feeling. So it's going on a second straight holiday to where I haven't seen my family. And now my family has a new addition. Shout out to baby P, Peyton, Nyla Clark, and my brother Jameson. Um, we're a beautiful baby girl, but you've been here before. You know how this goes. Well, well first, let me, let me um, say that. Your first time out of the country being Dubai. Yeah. That's incredible. Like it's, it's that that's unheard of. Um, yeah, and sure. you know, you can tell um for everybody out there, you can tell what type of place Dubai is, because he just said he's been here sixteen months straight. Uh even though he wants to go back home, it's not mandatory. For so sure. <laughs> <Fact>. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Except for the summers. Except I'm not for, yeah. doing another yeah, summer yeah. here. Summers are crazy. Good summers are lord. Crazy. 
Yeah, for, for any of you wanting to take a trip to uh, Dubai, Zabina, um, this <laughs> summertime is not a time to come here. Um, come, you know, come, after September. After September, you're good. Um, yeah, this is something I'm, you know, I've grown accustomed to just traveling a lot um, early on. And, and then even once I started playing basketball, or whatever, I'm used to being away from family. It does get a little tougher as I get older, mm -hmm. to, you know, because, uh, you know, your parents are getting a little older and and then, uh, you know, you're, you're missing your, your your friends and things like that. And it's, it's getting a little old. So this this year is a little tougher for me, um, especially with the pandemic going on and everything. And I know that everybody back home is OK, at least because I can, can communicate with them as much as I, uh, I want to, because things are different from when me and the old older guys back in the day started traveling, you know, you, you know, we have uh, so many methods of communication. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a special time just, you know, we would normally be with friends and family and, and breaking bread and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because like you said, we're in a whole different hemisphere, right? So like customs are just completely different, you know? So like, I remember last year, we didn't realize Thanksgiving was coming up until like two days before because, you know, it's not a holiday celebrated here. Right. It shouldn't be a holiday celebrated anyway. But as, you know, Coach talks about for our, for our minorities, it's something that we, uh, you know, we, we appreciate because it's family time. You know, everybody is really just about being with family and we all love that. But we never really think about Thanksgiving because it's like, they don't celebrate it here. Right. So right now, you know, but right now with the pandemic and us, you know, missing family more so than ever and all these other different things, Christmas coming around the corner for people to celebrate. It's like, man, we don't see any snow here. It doesn't right. get cold here. Right. You know, the little things that you just used to, like the air smells different at home when it starts <laughs> to get cold. So, you know, the holidays are creeping up. You got to pull out your winter coat and all those things. So I didn't even realize it really. Again, it was like, ah. Yeah. Well, a large part of that is that you've had your head down working so hard. We've been working, you know, 16, 17 hours a day. So it's, We got to bookmark that. You heard that, Ethan? He finally gave me some credit for working hard. I appreciate <laughs> that. I caught that one. See, see what the holiday spirit does to people? <laughs> you know, they started to become generous. No, that's right. That's right. But to everybody home, man. Happy holidays. Cherish it. You know, some people um, can't get to their family. Some people may be locked in quarantine. Some people may still be stuck in places. Financial hardships. You know, those things are tough anyway. But now with the pandemic and things are still a little bit um, out, of, out of hand at home. But just ha enjoy yourself. Be thankful for what you have. You know, things will get better. But happy holidays. Mom, I'm missing. I'm missing the mac and cheese. I'm the, the yams. You know that's. You told me you made reservations for a place out here. We'll get it tonight, but it won't be mom's <laughs> macaroni and cheese for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. But we definitely gonna look for that though. But how? How? What? What pushed you through in those younger years? Because I know now it's like basketball is not at the center of things anymore. So it's kind of like you know family is priority, especially with your mom being older and. You know, all those things. But what what was it that for all those young guys and young ladies who play overseas or maybe going to push overseas and who may miss out? Like what pushed you through that? Just just your, the end game. Um, just being, you know, 110 percent 
into your craft, which is playing basketball and just knowing that uh, for the short period of time that you're away from your family, um, it's for a good reason. It's for you have a, a, a purpose, the main purpose that you want to accomplish and that you know that if you just you know, stick it out and, and, and deal with not being with your family, it'll pay off in the long run. And uh, because you were basketball to the core, it's a part of your life. You wouldn't be where you were um, without basketball. And, and you wanted to make sure that you you took care of it and you nourished it. And uh, you know that it's a short period of time that you would be away from your family. If you do what you're supposed to do, you'll get more extended time with your family. You're tough, though, too, man. Talk about mentally tough. Like, you got to be mentally tough to be away from family. And, you know, everybody plays, like, a different role in their family, too. You know, like, like for me, I'm the oldest brother, you know, and I'm always around. So, for me, like, even if my mom doesn't tell me I got a responsibility, it feels that way at times. So, <laughs> if you're away from the crib, it may feel like, ah, how do you go through this? So, like, did you have any things that helped you push through, like any practices? Did you go certain places in certain times? Or could you? can you remember maybe a time when you were playing in Germany or something to you, like, I did this and it helped me push through? Or, or maybe your team helped you? Well, you, you spend a lot of time with your, your teammates. You know, there's, you know, if you're on a team, nine times out of 10, there's another American. Um, in some, certain circumstances, there could be two or three other guys that have, um, dual citizenship that they, you know, they've spent extensive time in the U.S. And so as a team, you know, you guys will spend the holidays together and you make up for lost time with your family. And and that is something that you cherish. And those are going to be friends that you have um, for the rest of your life, no matter um, the distance and the time. Yeah, that's that's cool. And that's that's one of the things it leads me to the point where we always talk to our um, hoop stars about being a basketball player and being a part of a basketball community isn't just about the actual game itself. It's where the game sometimes leads you, right? And you talk about being overseas and being on a team and sometimes being thousands and thousands of miles away from your family, but you find comfort in your basketball family, right? Because you go through so much with each other. So and for all you hoopers out there, when you talk about basketball, we're talking about building a culture here in Dubai. It's bigger than just trying to help somebody be the best basketball player you can be or something like that. But it, it pushes you further and beyond that. You know, it's all about friends. It's all about family, about building relationships. And when you learn how to do that through the sport, you can take that anywhere. That's why we're here, right? That's right. We're built, we're expanding the game, and and some of the things that you just mentioned, um, it it plays in the other parts of your life. Even if you were working in an office building or something like that, you're a team one way or the other. Absolutely, and you got to be able to to, um, to bond together and and deal with certain issues. That's true. That's true. Office buildings. So let's get into some of this um, before we start. It's a little bit of trade talk, right? Um, I think since last episode, my leg show, we picked up uh, Wesley Matthews, which I like a lot. Uh, we re-signed Marcus, Marcus Morris. And I think we also picked up Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney so that we can trade JaVale McGee to make room for Marcus Saul which I love too. But a lot of teams are making a lot of different moves around here. You know, one of our first episodes, we talked about how Washington, D.C. does not appreciate 
John Wall. Right. Little did we know, we didn't know our third eye was working the way it was, but little did we know we would be here right now to where it's like, man, trade talks? Since then, the management has walked back what they said, but man. (laughs) The disrespect that John Wall gets in the D.C. area is incredible to me. Man. Because... Organization is right in the mix. Yeah, it's... most of the, the downfall for the Washington Wizards in the last um, six, seven years, whatever, has not been because of John Wall. It's because lack of leadership from the top to the bottom of the organization. Absolutely. And people have to understand that he comes into a dysfunctional organization at the time because, the, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that the year that Gilbert, Gilbert Arenas had the issue with the guns? Gilbert and had the straps in the locker room. Yeah, the straps in the locker room, <laughs> the the locker room with Javaris Crittington. And, um, and you're coming in as a, a rookie having spent only one year in college, and now you're having to see this, and you're playing the most difficult position in the NBA, the deepest position in the NBA, and, and now you're having to just sort things out yourself. And so I think... John Wall has done a pretty good job considering what he's had to work with. Ungrateful, man. He carried them. And I know part of it is because of Bill's ego and Bill thinking that he can be a a lead guy. But Bradley, you had the room to grow and the opportunity to grow because all those flaws you had in your game early were were covered because of the, the type of point guard John Wall was. John Wall was playing on two bad knees. Right. The sacrifice in his body, but you know, that's the way the league does no, it. No, we don't want to. We don't want to skip over that. We yeah. don't want to gloss over that. Yeah. For all of you out there that that talk about John Wall not being the defender that he, the elite defender that he once was, anytime you have two knee surgeries at the end of the season, yeah. that means you're a warrior. That means you're playing through 82 games of pain that you can't even describe. Different. So he needs respect for that. For real. Though. For real, that's absolutely. But we also got uh, the Pistons. You know, the Pistons pick up Jeremy Grant. I don't know. I don't know. The Pistons is like are like is that organization? I kind of put the Wizards there too, to where you know people just go there. <laughs> that, that, that's the Reg, place. What's his, what's his name? Reggie Jackson, a con artist, man. Yeah, he he went and got that bag and relaxed. But I hope Jeremy Grant has a successful term there. And like he gets to show his offensive game and all those things. But. Currently, the Detroit Pistons and Washington Wizards um, and a few other organizations as well. Those are places you go and you don't even unpack. You you go <laughs> Cleveland there, too. Cleveland you, too. Yeah, uh, Cleveland, of course. You go there and you just you just take one bag, the essentials. Don't go buy any property, anything. You just rent. And you do your job and you try to find your way out of there. For sure. No. They don't want to win. Absolutely. Now, there are two teams I want to talk about before we get into, like, our other topics. But first is Charlotte Hornets. Now, the first, the last episode, I think I said that MJ made one of his best draft picks, picking up Melo. Right. Then he goes and... I don't think it, I don't know if it's MJ or if it's Mitch Kupchak. Because Mitch, you know, he's, I'm a Laker guy. Right. Mitch is the one who gave Luau Dang 70 something million or something to where we still got to pay him through that. Mitch gives out some crazy contracts. I don't know what's going on with Mitch or why, why he's doing those things, but he just gave 
Gordon Hayward, 100 plus mil. I think it's 120, 120 million. million. 120 million. 120 million. Gordon Hayward, do you. Re- all right, for, for for four years, something like that. Yeah, some four years, I believe. Okay, well, first we need to check how old is Mitch Kupchak. Man, I don't know. We we need to check that just because. First of all, the Luau Dang thing is that's crazy. That's just one though. It's, they're it's still a, paying him. Yeah, yeah, we and we have to. We tried to get um, an exception, but the league rescinded it and said we still got to pay him through twenty twenty two. Mitch. <laughs> Mitch, you set us up. Yeah. Um, well, at least MJ is doing one thing. As a as a owner, as a general management, he's he's staying consistent. He's screwing up. But and but I don't I don't know if we should be giving MJ that credit because now that I, now I'm looking at it, I think that Mitch Kupchak is the one in, in charge of this. I, I, I know MJ got approved. Okay. I know MJ got approved. He, he's yeah. he's he's not an owner that's going to be absent. He's going to be in yeah. on everything. One hundred twenty million. Yeah. Do you remember his bubble performance? I do. Did you you remember that clip where he, he had that wide open layup, the layup. on the right hand side, and that thing went over the rim? Right. Like like man, you gonna put him right there? This is to me is what it's saying is, man, you are gonna ask a lot from Lamelo, right? Lamelo gonna do a lot, and you just had Devontae Graham have a great year. You get you paid Terry Rozier a hefty amount. You got a lot of young guys around. You still got you got to get rid of uh, Batum's contract, but man, like well, Charlotte, the, the story will be told once the season gets started, and they, and we see if things go south. Yeah, and and we see who the blame is placed on. One hundred twenty million. You are the franchise guy. You know what they're going to blame it on. They're going to blame it on LaMelo. LaMelo ain't played a game yet. He hasn't played an NBA game yet. They won't even give LaMelo a chance to learn and grow. I promise you they won't. But I I got faith in the youngin, though. I got faith in him. I think he he got something in him that's going to be different. But Charlotte, you know, I'm not going to tell you what my initial reaction was when I heard that not just – the, the Hornets, but I believe the Pacers and the Celtics will offer him a hundred million plus too. Like I, I my initial reaction, like, are you serious? The Celtics, I, I don't think the Celtics will offer him. No, I believe so. But and he turned it down and went to the hundred twenty. But my thing is, is I remember seeing reports, and he's coming off injury, right. and he's thirty plus. I remember seeing reports that league execs, GMs, were saying that Victor Oladipo wasn't a max guy. And he didn't deserve things. And, like, you know, God, things like that. When I see that, because he's there and he's in Indiana, and, you know, you heard the story about why Paul George left Indiana, about them not wanting to win. But them being willing to give Gordon Hayward 100 mil plus, nah, I don't like it. I don't like it. But it is what it is, right? Well, there's a lot of people that are in – um, decision-making um, positions in the NBA that aren't necessarily the best people for those positions. That's life, right? <laughs> We've seen that numerous times over and over again. So um, Oladipo, go somewhere where you're appreciated. For sure, because you're a dog, man. That's life. Money will get you in places that you don't necessarily need to be in. But, hey, you there. But that, that puts me in a place now where we're going to talk about the Hawks. The Hawks have made big moves. Now I came up here on the pod last week, and and you you know you backed me with this where I talked about Trey having a bigger ceiling 
than than Steph. And I only compared them two just because there are similarities in shooting. Um, but now Trey has a squad around him. Trey has weapons. Trey has weapons. Lloyd Pierce has weapons. So, you know, this is a time to where a coach can show, you know, I'm I'm the right guy for the job. There's right. no excuse. You got a, you got veteran leadership and Rondo. You also got guards who play defense so they can support Trey for his weaknesses with Chris Dunn, Rondo. Then you bring in Gallinari, who is a scorer. Gallinari has gotten a lot of money from the NBA too. Yeah. From from New York, the Clippers. <laughs> he got a lot of he got a sneaky back. And then you get then you go get Bogdan as well. Like you put together a team with John Collins and Clint Capella. Then you got those young bucks coming off the bench. I like Atlanta for top five in the East for sure. They definitely have moved up quickly. 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 Um there's a budding star in um Trey Young, of course. But now you add the weapons. Now we get to see his full potential. Now it's just not him scoring so much in terms of trying to keep them in the game. Now it's him scoring, managing the game, and things like that. So different. So now everybody that has a lot of questions about Trey Young, now we can see if he can answer them. Mm-hmm. You know, now we can hold him accountable. Before, you couldn't do that just because he needed to do whatever he needed to do to carry the team because they were so young. Yep. And I, but, you know, that type of lesson is something that I think puts you in a space to progress and reach a level of greatness that going into a place where you're already kind of like coddled doesn't allow you to be in. Like, he was in a place where he failed and failed and failed and got to work through those failures and figure it out for himself and build a different level of toughness to where now he 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 developed a kind of leadership early, right? To where, you know, we come in as a rookie sometimes, you're following behind somebody else. But he gets in that locker room and he's the one early. So you gotta mature faster. So now he matured faster. You had two years to get it. You got to your all-star type of performance a year before. Now you're here. And he got weapons, so you can, you know, you're not jumping a gun. You understanding this all season, I got to get right. The immediate thing is you give Trey Young that much space, that much space with those shooters, and then you got Rondo, who also he he allows Trey to play off the ball sometimes. Right. Woo. Now with Rondo Chris in the game, too. Chris Dunn too. Yeah. With with Rondo in the game now, Trey Young can just be a sniper. And it helps so much. And, and not to mention the, the the little nuances of the game that that Rondo can pass on the trailer. Yeah, you can't study. you can't put a price on that. I mean, all. that's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna forward his game two or three years. Yes. And and Cam Reddish. Like I I'm I'm marking my words here. I think Cam Reddish is an all-star type of talent. Right, six eight can score, and he's young, coach. Like I think he might be like nineteen or twenty, maybe that. Like young, six eight, and he can really go. Right. And having a guy like Rondo around, because he's gonna lead the second unit too. Right. So he get to lead that for DeAndre Hunter. You know, get some easy, easy oops and things to Clint Capella, right. John Collins, young athletes around him, and then you got Captain Reddish. Man, that type of development there. That's, that's different. I like I like Atlanta. Yeah. I like Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta just moved up 
sure. <laughs> quickly. Yeah, that's one of those small market teams we talked about earlier that you said helps the NBA Correct. grow. Right. And Atlanta's a budding city to where it's growing and growing and growing. And it's fun. So, you know, I like that. Yeah. So let's, when we get there, that brings up a topic that I know you're passionate about. And we talk about often. Front runners. I have my own definition for what front running is, but I'll, I'll let you give, you know, OG breakdown of what a front runner is. A front runner to me, and this is just my opinion for all you listeners out there. You know, we, this is a podcast. This is everybody's a personal opinion. You guys listen to ESPN. Those guys get paid millions of dollars and they give you their personal opinion. You run with it. So you make your own um, distinction in terms of what you want to believe. Front runner to me is someone who is very, very boisterous and and prideful and how can I say maybe a little arrogant in terms of their accomplishments, but they always have a mob. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, you're coaching and you got a strong mob every year, one through ten. And you're in a situation where the odds are in your favor to win. You're supposed to win seven, eight, nine times out of ten. But what do you do when you have a down year and you don't have the talent that you're used to having? Mm -hmm. what, how do you respond then? Yeah. If you respond and you guys are competitive and, you're, and uh, everybody's respecting you guys, then okay. You have a right to stick out your chest. But if you don't have the mob that you used to have and you guys get stomped every night, mm -hmm. then what do you say about that? Yeah. Yeah. And from a player's perspective, a front runner is, let me just put it in the game terms, we're playing, it's a full game, right? Four quarters, you know, depending on what level you're playing, maybe eight minutes a quarter, 10 minutes, 12 minutes. But your team up by 20 the first half, you talking trash, you beating your chest, you pointing to the bench, you hitting a shot, you giving me the uh, the J.R. Smith guitar, you're doing all that action up 20 in the first half, fourth quarter, last four minutes, you only up by two, now you're sweating, you don't know what to do, you don't have the same energy you had when you were winning, right? You arguing with your teammates. You looking at coach not want to listen. You blaming it on somebody else. You turn the ball over, and then you end up losing the game. So for me, a player that's a front runner or somebody that only carries the same confidence when things are going good. Things feel good. I'm showing it off. I'm you know I'm dunking. I'm pointing to the crowd. I'm blowing kisses to the cheerleaders. I'm doing all that stuff. But when I'm losing, energy different. <laughs> <laughs> My voice is a little quieter, right. you know. But like when we talk, we even that's that comes to play with training too, right, coach? Right. All right. Like if we got to show me what you can do with a kid who never even had a basketball in his hand before or her hand before. Can you can you take that kid who's never played basketball before, and over a certain period of time? help that kid get better in one facet of the game? Or are you taking a kid that already has a foundation of basketball and you're just adding a piece on here and there? 
what, what is the difference there? You know, one, the person who's never played basketball before, you're taking that player and you're giving them a whole new experience and a whole new challenge as opposed to someone who's already been involved in the game for multiple years and you're just adding on. And who are you really helping? Right. That's true. Like, man, I remember just, I was just talking to my uncle, uh, Uncle Roe, last night. And I know I talk to you about this all the time, but I, I respect the game so much that I don't just I don't want to be called a coach yet or anything like that. I take it, I take it. Um, but you know, I take it with respect. Like I understand what that means to say that. So what that means for me is what I give, it gotta be substantial and I gotta also work and and study for that. So that means going through those growing pains and right. figuring out how you're gonna teach the game and all those other things. Cause it's different. You really gotta learn how to teach the game when you're teaching a kid who doesn't get a chance to watch basketball often. Like in the States or even in certain parts of Europe, if you're a trainer or a coach, you're kind of spoiled to an extent because those kids, before they even met you, they had a basketball foundation. Whether they played or not, they had a little bit of a foundation because they watched. They watched Mars Madness. They watched some type of, you know, basketball dialogue. Like, it's, it's going on. But when you have a kid who... They don't even know that they like basketball, right? Like, you got to teach them, like, this is how you dribble. This is why you do this. This is how you do that. And then you watch them grow. Like, how do you sustain that? Like, that's a whole other dynamic. Right. Well, the first thing, if they if they don't have any background in basketball, you got to make their first experience a positive experience, a fun experience. And then from there, that that player will want to – further their development and then then that's when you can start to implement uh, some type of system where they will start to gain confidence or work ethic mm-hmm. before they can move on and develop their skill because if you don't have those things you can't it's just not going to work absolutely and absolutely. um and and i will say this you don't want to call yourself a coach but you've been a coach most of your life. You yeah. just didn't know it yet. Yeah. Even from your first years at T.C. Williams, even though you were the youngest guy on the team, primarily uh, on a state championship team with like eight, nine seniors, you were a coach on the floor. One, because you could fit into many different roles. Two, because you knew every detail of each role. Three, because you accepted those roles. Yeah. And four, in a quiet manner, in your own way, you would help the older guys learn their roles in certain situations mm. without having an ego about it. And so that helps you in terms of finishing out your high school career and being a leader and, and a top player. Mm. Yeah, so that's a heavy burden to carry. And you carry that on through your college years. And you're doing that now in terms of starting a business, running a business, and Coaching and learning at the same time on the fly. So you're a coach. Yeah. Coaches out there, you're going to make mistakes. But the thing is, are they honest mistakes mm-hmm. or are they fake mistakes? Mm-hmm. Fake mistakes are people just throwing things out there hoping that it sticks. Honest mistakes, teaching what you know. And if, if it doesn't work, you correct it and you move on and, yeah. and you grow yourself as a coach as well. 
And that's and that's real important too. And a part of that to tie back into the front running things is you got to carry that same mantra, that same facial expression, whether you up twenty or down twenty, right? So those those front runners we're talking about when the going gets tough, you can see it on their face. I've I've been going through some things for a while, right? But you can never tell. It's, it's you're not gonna look at me and be like, man, Yates going through it. That's not going to happen. You're not going to look at me. You know, I might look at you funny like, yo, you tripping. But if something involving me, no, you're not going to see it on my face. I'm not talking about a poker face or anything else like I'm trying to fake it. But I'm talking about whether I'm up 20 or I'm down 20. I'm celebrating the same way because I believe in something else, right? right. And, and the coaching is the same way to where humbly – and. I, Use the word humbly um, loosely too, because you know sometimes that that gives an uh, assumption that you want somebody to quiet down their their confidence or or their expertise. But you know you you go about things in a way understanding that it can happen to you, right? Like like you said, it could be a year when you have studs. It's three guys on your team that they roll out the bed. They're gonna give you twenty twenty five, and the very next year. You have a brand new mob where nobody has any experience. But do you come into practice like, ah, I don't know if you guys going to do it. Ah, ah, maybe, maybe this, maybe that. I'm like, no, you can't do that. Right. No, carry that same energy. Right. But I'll say how, and I, I say this too because I know you've been there. You've been there in a space to where, and you've been there on a pro level, high school level, prep school level to where you had a mob and then the next next year you may have had a different um I don't say clientele but a a different tool box to reach from but how how did you approach that cuz i think some coaches too i think we don't even realize how much guidance some people need like sometimes people don't just go seek it but they need it and they need to hear it but like what were when you had to, what was the difference between preparing for a year when you had eight seniors who had been there and been through the fire to the year where you had no seniors, um, three sophomores starting, two freshmen, one junior who came from JV, or even in the um, NBL when you were in Canada to where you had different mob? What was your difference in approach? The approach is the same in terms of having the same type of energy and being consistent in teaching every day and, and challenging your players. Um, in terms of the, the goals, the goals change. You're, you know, your coach, your goals may be um, at a certain point in terms of the first 10 games, and then as your team progresses, you move the goal further down. And so what I've always tried to do is I want to make sure that I have the same philosophy I have the same foundation in terms of how we want to play. And we reach, we reach those goals first. And then as we progress as a team, then we move, we move further down and we add pieces to the puzzle, puzzle later on. But we never want to jump the gun. I don't care if I have uh, 10 veteran players, 10 senior players, what have you, and, or 10 rookie players, um, 10 freshman players. I want to make sure that each year, a certain point of the year, we can do certain things. Yeah. And if we if we don't have a foundation, where are we going to start from? 
you talk about that goal setting and that and specific goals, which are different <clears throat> for each year. But that's got to be tough, right? So just scenario wise, um, you got me. I stay on the team. We win a state championship. That next year we don't have the same team, but I have a year under a fire of the state championship expectations, state championship type of energy around the team. So I'm ex- expecting that same thing, right? So when you get to a pro or get to a coach level to where you have some guys who are going to step into new roles, but the year before they were in a position to where it was championship or bus or winner bus, and now they're in a role to where it's like we just want to make sure that we're competing. Like, how do you how do you switch that message up, and like, how do you get them into that space to where it's still something we fight for? We still want to win as much as we can, but we gotta be realistic. Well, first, as a coach, you always want to talk to your team and say, our goals and expectations are different from everybody on the outside because mm-hmm. they have no idea what goes on between the lines at practice, um, in the classroom. Um, outside of basketball in the community. So our goals are independent of everyone else's. And so once we take care of what we need to take care of, then we'll ultimately make everyone else happy. Right. But but if, we, if we're not taking care of what we need to take care of, it's not going to work. I mean, as a coach, you should never read the paper. Hmm. You should never listen to social media. And you should always relay that message to your players. If you remember correctly, when you were playing um, under me, I told you guys stay off social media as much as possible because that will cloud your judgment in terms of what we're trying to do as a team. Independent of what your parents may say, and I know that's hard for some people hearing right now because your parents always have what's in your best interest at heart. They may not be a part of our basketball team. So what they see is best for you may not be what's best for our team. Our team comes first. As our team goes downtown, as we've been winning and things like that, everybody's successful. But if everyone's not fulfilling their individual responsibility for our team, no one's ultimately going to be successful. So always think internally first and take care of your team, which is your family, for that two-hour period of the day. And that short three, four month season of the year, and then everything else will take care of itself. But you have to make sure you have blinders on and you focus just on your team and that will take care of everything right there. That's that's it right there. Right. It's always the outside noise. It's always the outside noise. And I've I've been there. I've been there. And that never goes away. I think. That's the beauty of basketball. Like, you really get to experience every type of scenario that's going to affect you, whether you're in business or anything else. Like, it's always something that you got to be prepared for. Um, but when you talk about that, like, those are the type of things that are consistent no matter what level of basketball you play, right? Like the outside noise, the other distractions and all those different type of things. But when we talk about the difference between basketball – at each level. I know we talked about it before with some of our, our guys because we're, we're trying to help them change perspective, but the way basketball is played, the way it's viewed from scouts and coaches, from college to pros to each level of pro, right? 
where you you playing FIBA, you playing somewhere in a different country, or you're playing in the NBA. It's basketball is different, so that also you know requires a different type of evaluation. But I know I have my viewers from a from a player's perspective. But what for those those out there watching and don't really understand the um, variety when it comes to basketball and its play and its approach, kind of give a, a breakdown for how it it changes from from college to pro pro overseas and then to NBA. Like, what are those distinctive changes? Starting in college, it's, you know, it just depends on your coach's style of play. You could be in a, you could be in a program where it's a, um, it's a slow style of play, grind it out. Um, you know, we're going to keep the game in the 50s, 60s. Um, or it could be a situation where you're with a coach that loves to get up and down. Jerry Tarkanian, uh, throwback to UC, uh, UNLV type of days where those guys are trying to score 90 to 100 points a game and just overwhelm you with, you know, talent, size and tenacity. And, you know, going into the pros where, again, you're at the mercy of what type of philosophy your coach has. But more so in the pros, it's a little more even because everybody's the best at what they do. Um, the college guys, in terms of if you're scouting a college guy to go to the pros, you're thinking about, you're envisioning what he would do with extra space, extra room. Um, what do you, what do you mean? Like extra space, extra room, like, um, what's the, what's the difference? Where, we, why is there more space in pro than there is in college? Well, you know, in college, uh, a lot of teams play zone, um, in the, in the pros, it's not seen as much because one it's entertainment value and everybody wants to see the best players go against the, the other best players one-on-one in some type of matchup. Um, and so in the NBA, there's more, there's more man-to-man defense being taught. Um, in college, it's more of a situation of whatever that coach thinks he or she can do best to win the game. And so if it's a zone um, or if that's what they're used to teaching, they're going to teach zone. And so, so you're not necessarily beating your man. You're beating the, whoever's defending that space plus the help defense. And so a lot of times you see guys who may have been average players in college or they were, they were good in college, but they were even better in the pros just because they have more space. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, for sure. Right. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, once he beats his man in the pros, help defense is so far away that a lot of times he's able to get on his launch pad, he's in the air, and then it's over. But that's being... Now you're on the floor with elite athletes, and he's one of the elite of those elite athletes, and that's where the entertainment factor comes in. Yeah. I, I noticed that too because when you talk about making a decision on where you're going to go to college, a lot of that is based on playing style. Right. Because you're just – it's plug and play. It's a system already put in place, and you got to see if you have the attributes to fit that system. But, you know, thinking about that, when you play in college, you go, depending on where you go, if it's a high level of basketball, and there are high level of basketball, there's high level of basketball being played at every level, Division One, Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, JUCO, all of those levels have high level basketball being played. Um, 
when you go there, you see that each night you could be playing a completely different style. Like you're you're really matching up with one night you may play against a style that's Princeton based to where it's a lot of cuttings, a lot of back doors, a lot of different things. You may go against another team that has a lot of flex offense runs. You may go against another team that's running everything through the post. Another team may be wanting to get the shot up shots up in the first eight seconds of the shot clock. Another team may be stalling it and waiting to the last one. Another team may be wanting to get the most possessions possible. Another team may be running a pro-like offense to where you're going pick and roll to where, you know, every day you got to be, you got to be chameleon. You got to adjust to different things, right? To where in the NBA and the pros, because you are a professional at what you do, right? A little, a lot of the reason why, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm thinking the reason why colleges have those systems is because everybody can't do everything and they're not great at everything. So you got to put people in places and a good system and put people in places where they'll be successful. Right. But as a pro, we expect you to be a specialist in these certain different things because you're the cream of the crop. So it's different. So the system gives you a little bit more leg room and it gives you a little bit more of a foundation, some stability, and it covers you up a little bit where you go to the pros to where any weakness is going to get exploited. Right. right. Like, no matter what level, no matter who you are in the league, if you are a mismatch on the other side, you got to go to that mismatch the whole time. Right. You're absolutely right. And, and in terms of the college level, you're a student athlete first. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so, you know, um, so sometimes when um, fan, casual fans jump on college players for not coming through in the clutch, you have no idea what he or she has gone through that week in terms of maintaining that opportunity to be on the floor. Man. Um, the professional guys, that's what you get paid to do. For sure. That is your only objective with your job. And so that's why more so it's man to man and you get paid on what you what you do. Yeah. And you know what's, what's funny about that is here – you know, we had a kid say that um, he was talking about he had exams, so he couldn't come to the gym and, and play. And we were like, what? And you know me, Coach, you know, I went I went to college, and I was a little bit of an overachiever on some things. But I'm like, what do you mean you got exams so you can't play basketball? Like, what do you think a college athlete does? His words to me was, isn't it easy for college athletes? Like, basketball players don't have to do their own work, right? <laughs> And I, I sat there and I broke down to him what it's like to be a college athlete. Like, you don't have – your time is not yours. You wake up – let's say it's during the season. You wake up at 6 a.m. You may have workouts. You have a schedule that's already put together for you. And if you're on D3 or D2 at certain levels, and if you're at where I played – because I went to D3 by choice, not because I couldn't play D1 or D2 or whatever else, but I went there by choice. And also because it was still high-level basketball and other things too. But where I went, it was still a major, major commitment. But we don't have summer school, so I'm still taking 15 credits during the, during the basketball season with maybe 18 at certain, at certain times. But that means I have classes at 8 in the morning – after my 5.30, 6 a.m. workout, and I have to be there, and then I might have a – got to go eat. Then I might have a midday meet with a counselor. Then I might have a workout. Then I have to go practice. Then after that, I got to do homework. Then we got to go back and do everything again. You know, that's blocked out. 
So, like you said, that's all week in the midst of being broke. And, and that's <laughs> not including, college. depending on your team's, your program, yeah. community services somewhere in there. For sure. <laughs> and that, and that's what happened. And that's just at the D3 level. And I know uh, my school is a little bit different, but even at some schools at Division One, it's even more responsibility because it's a scholarship that's free completely. Right. So it's tough. It's tough. And but but that's one of the big differences in college and pro basketball too, which is why you know they need to let some kids go straight from high school to pro, so they can just go focus on what they should be focusing on. Because man, college just gives you a bunch of distractions right. that you know take away from your own corporate performance as well. Man. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be uh, an immediate change to that rule. If you are deemed worthy to be drafted in the NBA because you are a special athletic talent, there's no point in you wasting one year in college. Yeah, a couple months at that, right? A couple months, <laughs> yes. Yes, thanks for correcting me. You, you, you need to be allowed the opportunity to go directly to the NBA um, if you choose so. Yeah, that's big. But... That also means that when you talk about, I think you can speak to this as a player. How did you know from college that you would be able to hold your own as a pro? Like, what were you seeing? The having the opportunity to practice every day with guys that were lottery picks, um, whether you were successful or not in practice. You, you were able to gauge whether or not you could be on a roster somewhere in whatever part of the world. And um, what happens when someone consistently beats you up every day, mm-hmm. you, either, you either fold and you quit or you continue to work hard and get better. Uh, and so that's what I continued to do. And I was blessed with the opportunity to play with some great players at Temple that went on to the NBA. And I was blessed with the opportunity to play with some great international players at Coppin State in Baltimore. And so um, those opportunities allowed me the opportunity to go overseas myself and play 10 years um, and build the confidence that I needed that I could play with anybody. Um, Just because, you know, those are wars that you have every day in practice um, on and off the court, believe it or not. Um, in terms of being what a basketball player is. Because for those of you out there that may not know, even if you go and play internationally, there's other things that come along with your contract other than just putting up numbers. It's community service, being a model citizen, um, and just being a representative of that organization. So there's more involved in terms of, of just being a player. Right. And and when I think of that, too, I think about the perspective you have when you're watching the game. We talk to, like, my my comment about, even our conversation about Chris Paul being the greatest point guard ever, only behind Magic Johnson, there's some backlash to that. And and I, part of that is because, and this is just for those, the basketball-specific crowd. Those those young men, those young women who say that they're hoopers and that they are ones who love the game and they watch the game. When you make that declaration that you're somebody that basketball is a part of who you are and you you know you watch it differently, you got to watch it differently. You can't watch it for these short clips 
you can't take somebody's word for what they're saying from a social media post where there's no credibility. You can't just take what Skip is saying and run with it. You can't just take the numbers that they're giving you and run with it. You got to really watch the game and understand the difference. Because not only does that help you grow your basketball IQ about the game, but it also helps you become a better player yourself because you view a different way of approaching basketball, right? Because you look at it differently. So I remember we were talking about, like even Trey Young, when we tell somebody, when you talk to somebody about the different type of handle he's using to get around a screen, and somebody may not really understand that, but if you're playing high-level basketball, and even in your open gyms, you have high-level basketball open gyms. Some open gyms everybody can't go to. You know what I'm saying? There's some open runs everybody can't get into because right. you don't really know how to play. But you got to understand what you're watching when you're watching those games. We're talking about LeBron orchestrating things and people not really understanding what that means. Like, you got to take some time to watch it with a different eye. You know what I'm saying, Coach? You, you know, you mentioned watching the game with a different eye. And the most important part is doing your own research. You can't get caught up in in what we say just on a podcast. You can't get caught up in what someone says on ESPN or any other um, sports network. You have to do your own research because you remember, it's everyone's personal opinion. And a lot of times we're going to go with someone that we know, someone that we uh, admire or whatnot. But uh, I will say this. For the most part, we try to be transparent. We, sure. we try to be open-minded about whoever we're talking about. And in, in this particular situation, you want to be a basketball player. You say you truly love the game. You follow the game. You watch all types of players. Yeah. You don't just watch your favorite player and go with what is said or what you like about that particular player. You watch if, you're, if you're, your favorite player is a shooting guard, you watch point guards, small forwards, power forwards, centers. You watch other shooting guards. And you watch the game from a perspective of, I'm trying to learn something. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can pick up something from each player, then you'll be able to make your own decision in terms of what you want to go with in terms of who is the better player at that position, who's the best player in the league, who's the best team in the league. You need to make your own decision in terms of what you believe. For sure. And I and I do give some of that responsibility and some of that um, backlash to the OGs. So for me, you, my uncle, Uncle Ro, um, you know, the AAU teams I played for, a lot of those coaches were basketball savants. So they gave me different they gave me different dialogue. They were giving us different things to talk about and listen to. And they were giving us different perspective when they were teaching us the game. Right? They were giving us different ways to think about the game. We were coming off of screens. We were understanding how to read each other, understand that that when so and so is in a game as a point guard, when he's in the game and he's coming downhill off a of screen, I need to have my hands ready because he's gonna give it to me in the spot. Whether I know I'm open or not, it's coming, so I need to be ready. Or if somebody else did, I need to just go right to the rim and get there for offense rebound, right? Or just be ready because he's going she gonna to shoot that thing. So part of that, too, is being able as a coach, as an OG, to make sure you're passing that on to the young guys because 
if you are, especially now on social media, the the internet is going to teach them basketball. Right. Right. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. We got guys that I'm talking to them about things and they're just saying no, because numbers are saying one thing, but numbers are skewed. Numbers don't always tell the truth. Because let's say you get drafted into an organization like the Hawks or the Hornets to where you have to shoot volume numbers. You don't have a, a, a vet that's a scoring guy next to you that can carry the load while you learn. You don't have any of that. So you got to shoot a lot. So your percentages are going to be low. But your percentages don't tell the story about the player that you're going to be. But you can see that differently when you understand the game at right. a different eye, right? Right. And, and it doesn't even have to be having a vet that can score and carry the load mm-hmm. while you develop. It could be a situation where you go where they have all the other pieces surrounding you and you're you just need to shoot. Yes. So yeah. I mean it's, it's it works both ways, but either way it just depends on where you're drafted, um what college you go to, uh what high school your high school team you're on. It just depends on your environment in terms of how you develop. And but anybody that says that they are a student of the game and they truly love the game no matter what environment you're in, they should be able to tell whether or not you can play. That's facts. That's facts. And then, you know, you take it to another space as a, as a player. If you're a hooper, when you're watching the game, and this is another reason why social media kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes, sometimes, is when you're watching somebody that's a score, because in the last, in history itself, there are plenty of people that can put the ball in the hole, Right. The argument for those who are the best scorers aren't whether or not they can sc- they can score. It's how they score. You talk about the tech uh, technicians. You talk about they're surgical with the way they get there. So when you're watching it, you're trying to see like what makes them so good. How do they get to their spots? How easy is it for them to get to their spots? Are they having to make six, seven moves? Are they understanding that after they make this first move, the help is coming from this way, so I got to have a counter move? Are they seeing where the gap is with off the ball so they can go in and slide in those spaces versus somebody doing six, seven, eight moves in one space, not going anywhere, and then because they can shoot well, they just pull in that thing. Like that's different, too. That's different space. That's what makes that's what makes an argument different when we talk about LeBron and KD versus everybody else. Right. Like they do things at a different clip. Right. It's efficient. You know, like um, I think you talk about your fate watching your favorite players. My favorite player is Kobe. Everybody and rest in peace, um, Kobe and Gigi. But everybody that knows me knows, you know, to the end, I'm saying Kobe is, is my favorite, my, my goat. Right. But I also understood where if I was trying to get I could go to Kobe if I wanted to figure out mid post game footwork things, um, if I wanted to figure out different ways to get an edge competitively, finding different angles to score at, different things like that. But if I wanted to figure out how to work in pick and roll, not because Kobe could, couldn't do it, but Kobe had to call and ask D-Wade how he did certain things off the pick and roll. He had to call and ask certain people how they did different things, you know? But, but that's what made him great. Not only was a great athlete, not, even, not only was he had a great work ethic, he had a great mind in that he would ask other great players how to do certain things, even if they were his rivals at that moment. You know, you talk about 
how he's your goat. He talks about how Michael Jordan was somebody he looked up to, but yet when they matched up, he he tried his best to kill MJ. Kill yeah. You know, but at but later on in the night, he might call MJ and say, "Hey, I need your advice on this." And that's what made him great because no matter who you were, what position you played, if you had a piece of the puzzle that he didn't have, he was trying to obtain it. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't too close-minded to, to ask. Mm-hmm. And that's what made him great. I mean, so he's, he's definitely one of, one of the all-time greats for sure in everybody's book. He should be. For sure, for sure. And everybody's not going to have the mind that Kobe had because that's just a different animal, different beast. But as far as you, a, a young guy, making a commitment to be a hooper, when you watch the game, you don't watch it like everybody else. You're not sitting there just saying, ooh, he dunked that. Ooh, he did. No, you you can tell if you're really a guy. You can tell when somebody missed an assignment, right? You can tell when somebody missed a rotation. They should have closed out there. Or, you know, somebody drove and kicked and now it's supposed to be somebody else's pickup. You can tell when somebody missed a breakdown on a press or when somebody was out of place in the offense. That's the difference between somebody who's going to grow and somebody who's just going to be stagnant and not really understand. And if you're a hooper, you make that declaration, you got to be able to understand that. And, and let me say this. Even if you don't understand all of the nuances of the game because you're a young player, which mm-hmm. is understandable, uh, you should at least watch basketball. Yes. If you're not watching games, not just highlights, an entire games – you're not watching certain players that play your position, then your chances of being a successful basketball player and reaching your potential is going to be limited. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's important to make sure you do that because, man, first of all, basketball is entertaining. You know, like it's fun to watch and it's going to grow and it's going to change, but you need to make sure that you're around that time too. So um, get those things together. Um, But – I think that that'll be because I'm hungry. I'm hungry. You know, this by the time this episode comes out, it'll be UAE National Day. So we want to say um, thank you to Shake. Um, this is a great place to be. Great leadership. You know, it's a blessing. It'll be year 49 for them. So it's amazing. It's a great time to be here in this young, amazing country. But um, we're definitely about time for us to go ahead to some food. But again, let me just reiterate, if you're a hooper, watch the game with a different eye. You know, don't just sit there looking for a highlight or crossover. Watch the game to really understand it. And if you're a young guy, just a young a young girl too, because uh, we have some young ladies who are hoop stars who are showing interest. And as I said, we I send Diana Tarazi film, Sue Bird, Candace Parker. We just had a young lady who came to me and said, I, I found – Found out about Candace Parker, and she threw in a, a little curveball and said she watched Chelsea Gray, too. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, so now you're really watching. <laughs> so, you know, everybody, just just watch. And that's how you start to build questions. And that curiosity is what pushes you forward because it's there. Um, but as I said, Coach and I are going to get ready to go get some some food. I don't know what the menu is looking like. But this, it's 9.26 a.m. at home. So man, they're, they're early, right? Up. We time stamping everything. But by the time this drops next, um, you guys would have been past Thanksgiving and everything. But it'll be the holidays here as well. 
Um, so we want to say thank you to the UAE for being so hospitable, being blessing. And I look, I don't know about coach, but I look forward to, you know, planting uh, a foundation here, you know, and, and being here for some time um, and tra- traveling between. But coach, you got some wrap up for us before we head out? Yeah, for everyone, um, you know, please take this time to uh, enjoy your loved ones um, as much as you can. We're going through a difficult time right now worldwide with the pandemic. Uh, just realize that even though someone in your family or your, your close circle may be young and strong, you never know what tomorrow brings. So you want to value them and cherish them while they're here with you in your presence and just tell them that you love them. I I meant to bring this up earlier. All right. I'm a plant dad. <laughs> I went to the we went to the plant nursery before the episode. And you know, it's one of those things I gotta bring this up because I'm proud of myself, man. I'm proud of myself. But cause you know, as you get older, I didn't think I would be here at this point. So I gotta I gotta highlight it. Like I got plants. I went and I remember my Aunt Lisa. My Aunt Lisa was always telling me in grad school, you need to put something in your apartment. Like you put a plant in there, some some signs of life. And I used to always tell her, I'm not doing that because I'm ready to leave at any moment. I don't want anything on the wall. I don't want any plant because when I leave this place, I'm gone. I don't want to have nothing to look back to. But I'm here now. I appreciate where I'm at. So I bought two two snake plants, an aloe vera plant, and another plant I can't pronounce, but it looks good in my bedroom. So, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to taking care of those. You know what I'm saying? I got my everything that they need. I got to get a plant stand. Um, and I got to get a, a new pot, but I'm, I'm feeling good. You know, I'm feeling good. I'm happy about that too. I, your face is looking crazy over there. Man. Ethan, just make sure you, you <laughs> timestamp this. And, and we want to talk about this probably maybe two or three episodes down the road because those plants that he just bought today are probably going to be dead by Yo. now. So we're going to talk about what type of plant dad he really is. Yo, man, I'm here. It's a lot of love. I'm about to go back and we're going to play some Marvin Gaye and some Jeffrey Osborne for a while. planet. We're going to get it right, man. That's love. But I think uh, for me, um, first of all, shout out to mom, my bro, Jameson, mom, Linda, grandma. Love you guys. Um, happy holidays to everyone. And I think just now just be present. You know, I don't have anything extra profound to say. Just just be present. Just be uh Enjoy your time. You know, there's there's time for everything. Be present and it's just appreciate where we're going with those things. Um so for us, that's that's the episode today. Um we'll have and, and we oh, almost missed it. Hold on, let me do this. We did have our basketball match last week. And again, I was victorious. But 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 I'll give them some slack this week because we had a lot, thankful for this. We had a lot more people in the gym this time around, which is a beautiful sign. But still, no matter who comes and who goes, I am going to be the one victorious. You know, it was a tough week though. It was a tough week. It was a tough one, but we got something coming up Saturday. So we'll give you another update. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Check in with us on YouTube, um, on Instagram at bridging the gap underscore. Our link is in the bio to all of the platforms we're available on. UAE, check us out. Hoopmountain.ae, hoopmountaindxb on Instagram. We're available um, to everyone. Happy holidays. Take care. See you soon. Bye.